Coming to you live from the JRE Tobacco Aladino Mobile Studios, it's the Cigar Pulpit. Hello everybody and welcome to another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. I'm the Bishop of the Bird, Nick, and with me today is comic book artist and all-around good guy and cigar lover, Graham Nolan. How you doing, Graham? I'm good, Nick. So, Any day that we can sit out in the sunshine and have a cigar is a good day. No joke. And you're up there in Buffalo, New York, where, you know, at this point in the year, I'm sure you don't get many uh, many days to sit out and enjoy the uh, the sunshine and, the, and a cigar. You know, I've got a gift today. It's sunny. It's not a cloud in the sky. It's a little breezy. I don't know if you can hear it through the mic, but yeah, I'm a little breezy here too, here in St. Louis. But I was telling you off there, we're we're hitting like 80 today, so you know, I don't know. We'll probably get torrential thunderstorms and tornadoes on Tuesday or something like that. But it's okay. <laughs> it's a good day today. That's all that matters. It is so. What have you got there? I have a, a macanudo. Inspirado. All right. And uh, I'm smoking the uh, JFR Corojo. Uh, it is a Super Toro, six and a half by 52. And it is a Nicaraguan Puro coming to us from our friends over there at Aganorsa Leaf. And anybody who uh, nice. listens to the show with any regularity, um, we do the uh, three cigars that we smoked and enjoyed this week. And uh, this one is one that. Uh, I have uh, recently been smoking quite a bit of and really need to get into that segment because uh, I, I have been smoking it and enjoying it a lot lately. But why don't we go ahead and fire up? So the uh, cut is brought to us by Dan the Man Ponder over there at Riverman Cigar Company of Crestwood, uh, Missouri. And uh, Dan the Man Ponder, he's been uh, really, really busy lately because he got in the Arturo Fuente Rare Pinks. He's got uh, quite a bit of the... Uh, of the of the stock you know in he's kind of keeping it a little limited for everybody for right now so that people can kind of uh everybody gets their shot at them and whatnot but the the rare pinks are flying out the door and you can get your hands on those by either stopping in riverman cigar company in crestwood or giving him a call over there and either he or miss cindy or somebody will take your order right there over the phone and get those shipped out to you right away so it's riverman cigar company of crestwood missouri and with that it's time we go ahead and uh Cut the cigar. So I already right. pre-cut mine. That's okay. That's okay. Jeff Jeff prematurely cuts all the time, and and you didn't know, so you know that's okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I gave mine a cut here, and we will go ahead and jump right into this. So, for those of you who are uh, tuning in and maybe haven't been with us for a long time, Graham was a guest on our show back in 2020 in the in the height of COVID. And uh, at the time, you were coming on because, A, I discovered that you were a cigar lover, and B, mm-hmm. you were coming on to promote The Chanoo, which the Chanoo. is the first book that you put out under your line of Compass Comics. That's right. And um, so why don't we talk a li- little bit about, you know, briefly kind of recap. Let's talk about The Chanoo. And then from there yeah. we had and kind of how that that uh, that you know um, drive or what what do I want to call it? campaign? We'll call it cam- how that campaign went. Yeah, campaign f- for that. Mm-hmm. And then um, follow up projects. You know, we have uh, Alien Alamo 
which is the follow-up project mm-hmm. to the Chinoo. And then I just got this in, and it worked out so perfectly to be timed so well for this. <laughs> I got in my hard cover nice. of the giant-sized two-fisted manly tails. And I will, nice. I will freely. Did you feel your testosterone level go? Oh, I think my balls dropped when I got this book in the mail. I, let me tell you, but yeah. I will say that uh, I, I, full disclosure, I haven't quite made it through it fully yet. So I am, I okay. am, I am not finished with that one yet. But I just want to be upfront and honest about that. So that's a lot of stories. It is a lot of story, and you've got a lot of like really awesome talent in there um, putting together some of those stories. But we're talking a lot. Let's go ahead and get these cigars lit up, and that way, that way we can enjoy the cigars while we are talking comics. Oh, I'm losing you. Uh oh, I can hear you. Are you there? Oh, there you are. Okay, you you froze. Yeah. You froze on me. Mm. Yeah, you briefly froze here, but I can still hear you. Oh. The wonders of Zoom technology, you know, it's like the more we advance in this whole thing, the uh, the more we find all the flaws in it. But anyway... I think the wind is blowing my Wi-Fi away. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, we don't need that. So, so why don't we? So now that we've lit up and uh, you know we're enjoying a nice cigar, let's talk a little bit about the past campaigns. We'll talk about your newest yeah. project, um, and then uh, we'll kind of just kind of go from there. So let's let's recap. So two two years ago, you and I spoke, and you were promoting the Chanu. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, I had started Compass Comics back in 1998 to publish Monster Island. Um, I got tired of uh, what comic books were becoming. And that's back in 1998. Imagine how I feel about them now. Oh, God, I can only <laughs> imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so I decided, well, I'm going to start publishing my own work. Uh, the publishing paradigm has changed. I can. I don't need a big publisher. I can do it myself. I can crowdfund it. And I can... Um, I can bypass a distribution network and get directly to my backers. And so that was a huge sea change for me. So that's when I, I started um, uh, creating a world of my own. And I, I was always a monster fan. Long before I got into superheroes, I love monster movies. So I decided that my universe was going to be uh, based on science fiction, mystery, supernatural, and monsters as opposed to, you know, superheroes, yeah. you know, why compete with Marvel and DC? They got the superhero line locked up, you know? Exactly. But not many people are doing the kind of monster so, books that you're putting out. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, it's a genre that's, that's untapped and it gives me, uh, uh, maybe a leg up for now. Um, so the first one was the Shinu. That's a straight up horror story. Yeah. Uh, the next one, alien Alamo was, uh, sort of a, uh, sci-fi western uh, but it was more than that too because I do like cross genre stuff uh, and the basis for that story was the rifleman mm. uh, the, remember the old TV show with the rifleman I always loved the interaction and relationship between Lucas the father and Mark the son and I wanted to write a story that, that had that father and son relationship although it was strained because 
my main character, Travis Houston, was suffering from, from PTSD from World War II because the story takes place in, initially in 1957. So here's a father raising a kid by himself. He's suffering from what he's seen and done in World War II. And then another war drops on his doorstep and it brings him and his son closer together. Fantastic. So that's that that was the, the premise for that. And I've been dropping little breadcrumbs in each one of my stories about my universe. Um, and then the current one, uh, the ghost of medical Baki, uh, uh, is going to tie all those in together. Yeah, and that campaign is going on right now on Indiegogo. So, you guys, if you're mm-hmm. interested in checking this out, you can go over to Indiegogo and uh, look into that. But then, um, mm-hmm. you know, do you... If you didn't get the other two books, you can add them on at checkout, too. So, oh. if you don't want to go into a cold, you can get... Um, you can get uh, the Shinu and Alien Alamo and Giant Size Two Fisted Manly Tales, uh, uh, all at checkout as an add-on. I was going to ask, like, so folks can go to the website, but this works out even better. You just tack it on right there when you're uh, ordering yep. the uh, the uh, Ghosts of. I'm sorry, Mat- Matakumbe Key. Matakumbe Key. Matakumbe yeah. Key. It's okay. uh, it's it's one of the Florida Keys, uh, south of. Uh, south of Tavernier, mm-hmm. as you're heading towards Key West, it's a, it's one of the middle keys. Uh, that's where the the city of Isla Morada is on. And um, Matacumba Key was the site of the most powerful hurricane to ever hit the United States in 1935, and that plays into a part of the story as well. Okay, well, that's unfortunately rather topical these days with uh, Hurricane, uh, <laughs> you know, Ian and everything. So I mean, yeah, yeah. So now I know you're from Florida, correct? Or yeah, you? yeah, I grew up down there on the Space Coast. Okay, so okay, so on the Space Coast, so so you aren't necessarily from the side of the state that was impacted by the hurricane then. By Ian? Yeah. Oh no, no, they yeah. that mostly hit South Florida on the West Coast. West Coast, but then yeah. it did travel up across. Yeah, and it did travel up across and ended up uh, around Daytona and Port Orange. Yeah. And I do have friends up there that got hit pretty hard. Okay. I was going to ask if you knew anybody or had anybody that, you know, was uh, was impacted. But, okay. Um, so then in terms of, like, the crowdfunding and everything, you know, how has that gone? You know, kind of um, let's get into, to, you know, how you continue to build, you know, that audience. Because, you know, it. Mm-hmm. we live in a world of social media where you know if you if you're smart you can make your own way and and do it yourself and everything but it almost kind of can feel like maybe there's so much traffic out there that it's hard to to break through and so kind of what has been your been been your experience because i mean you know you're 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 tested in this you've done three you're now on your fourth mm-hmm. you know kind of how how is this going well, it's a process. Uh, it's a building process. Uh, for me, the key thing is um, mailing lists. Uh, You've you got to have a strong and full mailing list because it's a battle of attrition. You know, if you've got 5,000 people on a mailing list, you know, maybe 500 will, you know, respond and actually purchase, you know, something like that. Uh, maybe more. I don't know what the actual statistics are, but Certainly, just because you got 5,000 doesn't mean that you're going to get 5,000 purchases. That just doesn't work that way. Yeah. So you need as many as possible. 
And social media is a big lie. It, uh, it, uh, they have you throttled back uh, on most of those platforms where uh, you, they, they set it up so you can have 5,000 fans on Facebook. And of that 5,000 fans, maybe 500 will see your regular posts if they engage with you. Yep. If they don't engage with you, they, they won't see it. And if you cut that in half, if you add a link to it, because Facebook doesn't want you leaving their site. So they throttle that back. And so it basically comes down to that same 250 people are going to see your link to the Ghost of Madacomba Kilo, whatever it is that you're promoting, Cigar Public. Yeah. Uh, that same 250. So how do we get around that? Well, I tried something different uh, a couple of times. One was putting the link in the comments section so that uh, they don't see it. But I think they look for keywords like look in comment section yeah. and throttle it back. Uh, the other thing I just recently did is I put a QR code on the image and oh. didn't put any link. In. I just put that up and said, hey, you know the drill. And uh, to get people, just get your phone up. Bam. Yeah. It takes you right to the site. Okay. So that seems to be working pretty good. Okay. Well, no, and that's good. That's creative stuff because, you know, here um, doing doing our show, because we're, promo we're promoting the use of evil tobacco, um, you know, Big Brother over there at Facebook and, and Instagram and Meta or whatever the hell you want to call it. They, uh, they, you're right. They're throttling us back. I mean, you know, I look at my post, um, interactions this year versus last year and they're, they're significantly down. I mean, you can almost pinpoint like when they, they started to like come after us. And, uh, you know, YouTube has been coming after, um, cigar reviews and, and cigar shows and everything for a little while now, you know, issuing strikes and things like that. And so, you know, because. Really? Oh yeah, it's been a whole big thing lately. I mean, they're they're definitely coming after the the tobacco guys, and um, you know, it's it's not like um, you know, I, I make sure that I uh, mark everything you know for adult eighteen to watch, you know, things like that and everything to uh, to make it more palatable to them, and I think that's kept me off the radar to some degree. But, you know, we're having to be creative to grow the audience and everything. And so so it's it's interesting to hear that, you know, you got you're facing a similar situation for something that I mean, we always kind of sit back and attribute it to, oh, we're promoting tobacco and they've got an anti tobacco bias and whatnot. But it, it's not just tobacco. It's just in general, you know, promotion and revenue in general that they're going after. Well, the science doesn't back up, first off, uh, cigar smoking uh, the same way that uh, uh, cig uh, cigarettes are. I, I can name you half a dozen people that lived into, to 100 years old. Yep. Uh, Milton Berle, uh, 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 Burns, uh, uh, what's his name? Burns and Allen, uh, 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 Groucho Marx. Yep. All these guys lived into their, like, their 90s or 100s, and they didn't just smoke a cigar. A day. I'll tell they you. had a cigar. From the time they got up in the morning to the time they went to bed. So I'll tell you, you want a two-fisted manly tale, you need to look up, um, uh, I think his name is Richard Overton. Um, he was a World War II veteran, and I believe he lived down in Texas. And he lived to the ripe old age of 112. And mm. he was smoking, I, I he was smoking double-digit cigars a day and drinking whiskey, like from the moment he got up to the moment he went to bed. You know, and he did that his whole life practically. So, 
you know? Yeah. And I mean, sometimes you can get a bad, a raw deal. You know, people have uh, a gum or, or a tongue or, or mouth cancer or something like that. But that's usually, I mean, statistically it's, 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 it's not, uh, it's well, and it's less and, likely. And that kind of could be your own genetics. That and that's exactly that. it. That's, Oh shit. Sorry. That's my car. <laughs> Why is that not going on? There we go. I had my keys in the pocket, and it hit against the <laughs> the bar of the chair here. And I'm like, "Why is my anyway?" Nice. So, yeah. See, it's the beauty of live recording. But um, no, and that's exactly going back to your point. You know, cancer. It's one of those things that um, it can be caused by so many different uh, variables. It. it you know, just because somebody's a cigar smoker doesn't mean that the cigar is maybe necessarily the cause of said, you know, cancer. It could be um, maybe they like to consume a certain food and we haven't de- determined that the chemical in that food is, right. you know, causing something. So, yeah, I mean, it's just. Yeah, exactly right. Um, but anyway. And you don't inhale cigars. <laughs> exactly. You puff them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um no, I we I harp on that all the time about you know the health and uh, aspects of it all. And see, and I sit back and I think it's not just look. There might be some health detriment. Everything you know, every something's going to get me. It is what it is. But um, that's right. But at the same time, there's so much health benefit to the relaxation of it all that I kind of look at it that it's a net positive for me. But you know, such is life. Oh, absolutely. I love the, it forces me to settle down, mm-hmm. to, to slow down. And uh, I do a lot of good writing when I'm ha- sitting out right back out here at the chair behind me, um, having a cigar. You know, I, I came up with the idea for Two Fists and Manly Tales doing that. I was sitting out here with my pup and uh, we were just hanging out in the sunshine and I had a cigar and I started jotting down notes. And I'm like, hey, you know what? I made some calls to some friends of mine. I said, hey, what do you think about this idea? And he said, well, we're in. And so I started recruiting my fellow writers in that right there while having a cigar, you know? Well, and that's something I wanted to touch on is like, you know, the, uh, the crew that you've put together, you know, within this book, I mean, you've got some, some really significant names and creators in here and, uh, you know, what was it like kind of, uh, bringing everybody together, asking, you know, Hey, do you want to, do you want to come and jam together on this kind of thing? And, you know, how, Mm -hmm. how, how did it all go? I mean, I would also think that, you know, logistically there's a lot of coordination that goes into, you know, getting scripts, getting pages and getting all that, you know, from everybody and getting it all assembled and, and everything like that. Right. Yeah. Well, absolutely. That's the hardest part was the uh, cat wrangling. Uh, you know, wrangling all the talent together, getting them on deadlines and stuff. You know, creatives can be a uh, little uh, different <laughs> in, in, in that way. You know, sometimes they need carrots and sometimes they need sticks, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and then. Gotta, oh. I'm sorry. Um, I just have to uh, respond to this email. Oh, no, quick. you're fine. You're fine. So, um, yeah, I, I can imagine that, you know, pulling everybody together like that, you know, is, is, is a, is a trick. And, uh, then at the same time that, you know, you're doing all that, um, you know, you're, inter- you're interacting, 
you know, with the printer. I know you guys got a, uh, um, I call it a retail space, but it's, it's, I, I don't know if it's necessarily open for foot. Oh, the fulfillment, fulfillment, uh, fulfillment center. center. Okay. Yeah. So I yeah. mean, you had to find space in mm-hmm. order to, to take care of this and everything. I mean, you know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of logistics that, you know, you're having to deal with that, you know, the, the creators necessarily aren't even, even tackling. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm publisher, uh, art director, editor, writer on that book as well uh mm-hmm. i write two of the stories um also marketing uh executive i i do all the marketing uh and then fulfillment you know so yeah i'm constantly taking off hats and it's a lot of work but it's also very enjoyable uh, and i i'm learning so much about uh, the ins and outs of uh, the aspects of my industry that I wasn't fully aware of now until, you know, I started becoming a publisher oh. and, uh, you know, I'm seeing mistakes and holes and problems of why the industry is the way it is. Okay. Such as, do you have any examples that you maybe want to talk about? Well, you can start with a, uh, a monopolistic distribution system that, uh, uh is lo- was locked in. You had one distributor basically, yeah. uh, back in the eighties when there was a, influx of uh, various uh, smaller publishers, which is really, to me, the second golden age of comics, um, you had about six or seven different distributors around the country. You know, Capital City, uh, Heroes World, uh, uh, Diamond, uh, and there was a couple more out west, um, Pacific, uh, where your books could get sold to various distribution centers and distributed out. Eventually, Diamond bought them all up. They closed out and then they got into an exclusive contract with DC uh, or Marvel rather. Uh, So they got the front end of that catalog. DC got the second end of that catalog. And then anybody else, depending on uh, the level of your, how many books you publish and stuff, it it went down the line. So the smallest of publishers, a guy like me would have been in the back of the book. And the reality is retailers, are having a hard time selling the product. They have X amount of dollars to spend and uh, they're going to spend it on known quantities. So they're going with their X-Men or, or whatever that hot book is that's barely breaking 100000 these days. Uh, they spend their money on that. And if they are somewhat forward thinking, and let's say they order some Compass Comics book and, and those books fly off the shelves, they're not reordering them. Yeah. So you're stuck with what, whatever their initial orders were. That's how many books you're going to sell to them. See, and that's that. One of the things that I like about what you've put out, you know, in in your products, is that you know they're nice, self-contained, one-and-done kind of deals. Now, granted, you're talking about right. how they're building upon the, a greater story, but you know they're mm-hmm. they're one-and-done kind of stories, and that's been one of the things that I think has just so severely hurt you know, the, the comics medium and the comic book, you know, kind of industry is, it seems like at least since I'd say right around 2000, early 2000s, this whole writing for the trade kind of mentality, the whole, you know, and Mm -hmm. a story that would have normally been maybe a one or two issue story back in the eighties and, and possibly the nineties is now, you know, a six issue arc that, you know, they're designing just so they can compile it you know, in a, in a trade paperback for 
somebody's shelf. Right. And that way they can, you know, skim out what? Three ninety nine an issue at minimum, you know, for mm-hmm. six issues. So you're talking twenty four dollars if you want to buy it that way, or you're talking, right. you know, maybe twenty bucks to buy the trade paperback or something like that. It's like, you know, they're just they're just bleeding the consumer. Yeah, yeah, and well, they're they're bleeding the retailer too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at, at three ninety nine, that's the retail price. Uh, the the uh, um, the comic shop, your local comic shop probably paid uh, uh, a quarter of that. And then the, uh, the distributor took a share out of it too. So they're not, they're not getting, uh, they're not getting a lot of bang for their buck at that price point either. Well, and that's the other thing you're seeing that price point increasing across the board for everybody as well. I mean, you know, now, you know, you have, it's much more likely that you're spending, you know, four 99, five 99, you know, on up on, Mm -hmm. on, various things well i think you hit it on the head when you mentioned that uh they're they're long form writing they're expanding out a story where you know, you only have 20 pages in a comic these days the rest is padded with ads mm-hmm. uh, and of that 20 pages almost nothing happens in, in a lot of these comics you know it's very slow and plotting a lot of exposition a lot of people sitting around talking about their feelings uh instead of getting right to the the, the plot and into the story and into more importantly, the action. Um, you know, it, you take those three issues of the fantastic four, 48, 49 and 50, the coming of Galactus, the three issues, you know, yep. uh, and, and there's so much story in those three issues that they can't tell that in a maxi series of 12 issues today. Oh, uh, you're lucky if you're going to get it in a maxi series of 12 issues. I mean, let's be real. You know, you're going to oh, have yeah. you're going to have an event. You're going to have a six issue event with multiple tie in comics, you know, about just the coming of the Silver Surfer. Then from there, you're going to have, you know, another secondary event um, of of, you know, Galactus. Now that that there's your 12 issue maxi series. But again, you're yeah. going to have you're going to have 10 tie in miniseries. You're not even going to have tie in comics. You're going to you're going to have tie in comics, but you're going to have the tie in miniseries where it's like coming of Galactus, Spider-Man coming of Galactus, X-Men and how they're all dealing with it and whatnot. And it's just obno- right. it's obnoxious at this point that in order to get, you know, a story which in, in a lot of cases maybe isn't even the greatest you know you're getting you're you're having to buy 50 60 comics at you know again 399 on up mm-hmm. right so right i mean you could take a chance years ago when comics were a quarter you could buy four for a buck uh and oh you know what i'm gonna try man thing i've uh i'm not sure if i'm gonna like that but i'll try it it's only a quarter well i'll try it you know, now a quarter to a kid that was mowing lawns, you know, for, you know, a couple bucks. Yeah. I mean, I get it, you know, but these kids are spending $50 a pop on video games. Yeah. You know, so three ninety nine should not be that big of a, a deterrent to that. It's just that there's nothing interesting there happening. For well, them. and that's the thing, you know, you're spending three ninety nine and you're getting five minutes of reading out of it, you know, possibly right. because, you mm-hmm. know, there's nothing happening. It's just, it's so so mm-hmm. brief whereas like you go back to uh, during covid i that was one of the things that i did is you know the, people talk a lot about how they got back into their 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 hobbies or their collections and you know kind of expanded out and everything you know during covid and one of the things that i did right. is I, I dived back into my comics and 
is I ended up buying up quite a few. Um, I went back to like Bronze Age. I was going more, you know, mid eighties to you know mid seventies that that t- ten year time period, and just filling in so many holes. And you know, man, those books were beefy back then. Oh yeah, yeah, and there were heroes you could aspire to be, you know, which is. You know, my contention is that, you know, uh, uh, you need heroes that are inspirational and aspirational. You don't need them to be representational. Yeah. Well, and, and that's all they're doing now is it's and it's fine if you want to have representation, but take the time to create a character that's going to represent properly whatever group that is that you're, you're doing. Don't don't race swap, gender swap or sexuality swap on a pre-existing character because that's called pandering. Well, let me ask you, because you might, I'm you, I'm sure you understand this a lot better than I do. So, creators get royalties when when they create new characters, correct? Like nowadays, at least depends. Depends uh, if they create the character for DC and Marvel. Yeah. Well, though, those characters are owned wholly by Marvel and DC. Uh, at least at DC, they used to have what they called an equity program. Okay, and uh, if you created something and you filed for equity, then you would have a piece of that character. In other words, you couldn't determine anything about it. You couldn't yes or no any type of merchandising on it. You couldn't do anything with it. However, they were obligated to pay you anytime they use that character for any kind of merchandising, movie, so on. So, for example, now, Marvel. Oh, I'm sorry. So, for example. And and we don't need to get into any specifics because I'm not asking you about financial information. But like you are the co-creator of Bane, the 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 mm-hmm. you know Batman villain, and so just as an example, if you were to be in this equity program for Bane, when Bane shows up in let's say the Harley Quinn um, uh, cartoon on HBO, you theoretically under this program would get a cut of some sort of royalty money or whatever because they used the character that you co-created correct okay Mm -hmm. okay and then so you were talking about marvel yeah marvel uh as far as i know doesn't have that um but i could be wrong it's been a long time since i did anything for marvel and i never created anything for them but under their work for hire agreements um such as like jim starlin when he created uh, Thanos and all that stuff, that was all under work for hire. Yeah. And uh, technically uh, Marvel doesn't owe him a thing, even though a lot of his concepts and stuff uh, made multi billions of dollars. I was going to say, yeah. So now, okay, at least, so let's just talk about this under the, the premise of the DC equity program that you were talking about. If let, so you, you know, you create Bane, Wholly original, you know, character. Um, if let's say you were to create, let's uh, I don't know, um, a, a, um, uh, an offshoot or a, a variation of, let's say, let's let's just go with um, like a new Green Lantern, for example, mm-hmm. new person, but it's the same concept that's been around since you know the. 30s and 40s or whatever um you know with that being said does that count as a new character or or is it like you know so that's a variation yeah it's 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 called derivative 
Okay, so now it's a derivative. I've so going back to your point about how there's all this representation and everything like that 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 these companies seem to be pushing. Um, you know, with that being said, do you think there's some sort of more underlying? Not so much that they're wanting to increase the representation and and whatnot of these of these um, characters uh, or within their their books. But maybe what they're actually doing is it's more of a financial grab in that, hey, care or creator X, we want you to go out and create um, a black Spider-Man. Or we want you to go out and create, you know, a uh, Hispanic Captain America derivative or something like that. Mm-hmm. And now all these people are going out and they're doing that. But it, 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 but they're not getting, you know, I, what I, I know I use Marvel characters, but you get what I mean. It's like. You know, with that being said, maybe these companies aren't paying or, or aren't financially on the hook for these new new concepts, you know, long term or something. Well, they wouldn't be. Uh, but you would think that if your job is to sell comics, you want to sell as many as you can. Mm-hmm. And yet all of their little stunts, their pandering stunts uh, is driving them into the gutter. Uh, these books aren't selling. I mean, it used to be. 75,000 was the uh, cutoff point for the beginning of royalties. They're lucky if any of their books hit 75,000, you know, but we were doing not nightfall. We were, we were selling, you know, 800,000 copies a month, a million sometimes. Wow. You know, uh, there's a lot of comic books being sold. Yeah. Now, granted, there's a lot of speculator dollars in the business at, at that time, but people were reading they were buying multiple copies and speculating and, and reading. Um, Charleston Comics, which was the bottom of the barrel back in the 70s, uh, 50s, 60s, and 70s, they used to cancel books at 200000 Wow. To put it in perspective. <laughs> you know? Now there's nothing selling anything close to that. Yeah. No, I mean, they're crowing about, ooh, another Batman book, because Batman's the only thing at DC that actually uh, sells. Well, um, But yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a flood. It's a flood of Batman stuff because uh, they don't know what to do with, you know, so they got gay Robin now. They got gay super sons. They got gay Superman. They got, you know, uh, uh, lesbian Wonder Woman, gay Aquaman, you know. Who the hell wants to read this stuff? Mm-hmm. Well, and see, and, uh, <laughs> you're bringing up DC. And to be honest, that's probably a whole nother ball of wax we could we could unpack is just the 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 leadership issues that have been going on over there at warner brothers and and dc and whatnot as a whole i mean it's like every other day it seems like there's another shakeup and different leadership changes and this and that and you know different uh different directions and and it's just it's just been chaos over there lately absolutely um and but they're still they, they they put out all these statistics about how the growth of comics and they they show all these numbers of it, but those aren't real statistics because when you're talking about comics, you are you are talking about the saddle stitched floppies and those are tanking. So to make their numbers go up, they include anime, uh, manga, particularly manga. Manga is killing it. They're yeah. eating our lunch. Um, uh, and, and graphic novels and uh, trade paperbacks, which are just reprints most of the time. You know, that's what's boosting those numbers up. Uh, if they were doing so well, they wouldn't be cutting rates, they wouldn't be cutting their publishing line, and they wouldn't be firing executives. 
it does seem like yeah yeah no that's that's valid and but i think to your point about cutting rates and 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 probably and to a better to broader point you know treatment of creators it does seem like you know there's been mm-hmm. more guys like you that have gone out and kind of tried to blaze their own path and everything mm-hmm. you have to you can't make a living in that business yeah. um particularly i mean you know there's a couple things one is that uh, uh you could be perceived as aged out because you've got these 20 something editors in there who don't know you from Adam. Okay. I get that happens. Uh, you have people being blackballed because of their, uh, their politics, regardless yeah. of what that may be. It usually, no, not usually it's always, if you're conservative, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're getting blackballed. Um, uh, uh, and, and you know, they, 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 they try to gaslight everybody and say, oh, this doesn't happen. You know, they're just disgruntled losers or something or whatever, you know, but that just is not the case. Uh, you know, but I'm of the mind, you know, this is what I wanted to do from the time I was 12 years old. Uh, and I had a good run uh, working for the big two for 30 something years uh, playing in that sandbox. Now that those characters are all gone, the sandbox is gone. And, um, you know, there's just, there's, there's no incentive to create for them. There's no incentive to work for them. Um, and uh, they're on the ropes. So, you know what? If you're a boxer in your ring, you're on the ropes, you keep hitting. And so that's what I'm doing is, is I'm going out and I'm carving my own audience and in my own uh, my own way. And, you know, you talked about $399 uh, price point. You know, some of the other ones, like I think Batman's $599. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's some higher ones. But that isn't even the 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 main uh, stumbling block because I can charge twenty five dollars for my comic, but for that twenty five dollars, uh, you're getting a quality book, a self contained book with sixty four or more pages. You know, yeah. uh, Two Fisimentos was one hundred and twelve pages um, of quality entertainment. Uh, there's no ideology ideology or or preaching in it. It's just. Uh, it's just what comics used to be. It's, it's pure entertainment and fun. And if you deliver that to your audience and you give it to them in a beautiful package, um, you know, you've got my books, you've seen them, you know, no, exactly. They're, 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 um, they're what they call perfect bound. Yeah. Uh, there's upgrades to the paper. There's upgrades to the covers and uh, spot uh, spot UV on the covers to hold. It is a beautiful thing. And, and so people are willing to pay $25 for a quality product. They're just not willing to pay three three ninety nine to have their superheroes bitch and moan about their pronouns sitting around a coffee shop. <laughs> well, you know exactly, and mm-hmm. and you know and and <laughs> you know and you're talking about the quality of the products. I mean, the paper quality on those products has gone down significantly over the years as well. Whereas, you know, to your point, yes, no, these are these are done very very well. The quality of the uh, of the of the workmanship is there, and. Um, you know, and the other thing is, at least, I don't know, and this might be me as a, as a you know, 40-year-old guy and thinking this way and, and, you know, small business owner and whatnot, but I look at it and I'm like, you know, I would much rather, you know, give $25 for, you know, a comic like, you know, The Schnoo or Alien Alamo and, and know that, you know, that's going to you, the actual creator – and not going to some multinational conglomerate who is going to throw pennies down at you and tell you, 
you know, that, that, you know, you should be happy that you're getting that. Yeah. And here's the other thing that, uh, it's the connection with the creator. Uh, uh, when, when you're a backer, uh, you have my direct email. If there's a problem, you can reach out to me and I respond like within minutes, yeah. almost always. Yeah. You know, if, if you, I've had conversations with people, if there's a problem, uh, we just got, uh, somebody said that their two fists and manly tails got manhandled by the post post service, you know, so Don't it was like started it was on the mail. Yeah. <laughs> Even in a Gemini mailer, you know, he took a picture of it. And it was all bent. We, uh, he contacted us. I, I got back to him within minutes and said, your, your new book is being shipped to you at no extra cost. Keep that as a reading copy. And, you know, thank you for your, for your business. You know, uh, you don't get that kind of service. No. You know, uh, anywhere else. Well, hell, you go to the comic shop, half the comics on the rack are bent and, and manhandled because, uh, you know, either Diamond or or what is it, Lunar, or I guess it's what, Random House now, and everything, I mean, like, yeah. you know, their packing processes aren't great, and so the, the retailer gets it, and half of the uh, the books that they even ordered for their own shelves are, are you know, beat to hell. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely, you know, there's no quality control, like, we go through our books, and we look to see for printing errors, and, and dings, and bends, and we call them out, of course, stuff's gonna get by, occasionally, well, yeah. uh, you know, but it, you know, it wasn't just like a wholesale, open up the box, dump it out, try to sell everything. You yeah. know, we, we, we bag everything. We look at it, make sure it's right. You know, so, I had, a, I had, a, a, some, I had some chinoos with me at a convention I was at recently and this girl was really interested in it and she wanted to buy it. And I said, yeah, why don't you go ahead and take a look at it? And I opened it up and I opened it for her and I realized the first like three pages are upside down. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like. Oh like, shit! You don't want that one. Yeah, hey, you don't want that one. <laughs> I another one you know? <laughs> That's the exclusive flipbook edition, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know there is a market for for those misprints. Yeah, you know because the, they're rare. Yeah. You know? So I'm gonna keep that and I'm gonna offer it at a discount. You know, as a as a as a misprinted book. You know, for that collector that wants something like that. You know, never know. You never know. Um, so speaking of conventions, I know one of the things. Uh, and and getting back to the fact that you know we're talking cigars as well is uh one of the things that you've been doing at conventions is your uh cigar and hawaiian shirt get together correct yes how's, yes how, so, uh usually saturday nights uh i'll i'll, I'll send out a, a a blast on on social media and the same 200 people will see it uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh but uh i do know, I i'm just never at the conventions like you know? <laughs> that's right yeah and then, you know, people will, will all come down. They'll, you, you'll see them wearing their Hawaiian shirts. They'll all meet in the lobby or something like that. And we'll go someplace and we'll all sit around. And they'll bring whiskey uh, and sit around having whiskeys and bourbons and, and smoking cigars and talking about comics, pop culture, all, and sports, whatever. Whatever, you know, people are sitting around doing and talking about. You know, it's, it's just a lot of fun. And it's a great way to mix with the fans and the pros. Cause I usually have like pros with me too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's a very relaxed atmosphere where everybody's on the same playing field. We're here just having a good old time and having cigars and whiskey, which is, is to my point, what you're doing is you're bringing the cigar lounge lifestyle 
to the comic convention. You're you're bringing right. you know that that sit around and BS and have a good everybody's level playing field. You know, it's like it's you know we talk about it on here all the time about how if you're sitting in the lounge, you could be sitting next to you know a judge and a ditch digger, but you know you're just three guys exactly. hanging out in the cigar lounge. And so that's what you're that's bringing exactly to the con- right. comic convention. You know, is that you know these mm-hmm. these fans. You know, they may know you from from your DC work or from from you know your independent work or whatever, but or and and whatever other pros you're bringing from their various works, and they might be initially thinking, "Oh, I want to come and hang out with these guys," but then once they do, it's just guys just hanging out and having a good time. Yeah, yeah, with shared interests and and uh, you know we talk about industry stuff. They they might want to know some little inside scoops or tell funny anecdotes. You know. Um, and it's a give and take, you know. It's 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 really wonderful. Yeah. Hello, pumpkin. Have you um, have you had any uh, fans that show up for that that maybe aren't cigar smokers that you know have their first cigar with you guys and and try it out? Yes. Yes. How is yeah. that? How is that going? Uh, did, did, you know, there was a young guy at a show in Megacon. You know, he was like twenty three. Never had a cigar before, so I gave him one of mine. Lit him up, you know. He's like, you know, sucking on a thing, you know, it's like, no, 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 no. Here you yeah. go. You know, I gave him a little lesson, you know, yeah. <laughs> Just slow your roll here. <laughs> no, that's that. I, I, I love that. I saw you posted that one day, uh, one of the cons and I was like, holy shit, that would probably be like the best part, you know, of going to said con is, is, you know, being able to sit around and actually do that because, you know, it, it's, it's. I don't know. So do you find space at like hotels, like, you know, like patios or where are you, where are you kind of, you're just kind of finding somewhere isolated that you can go and do this? Yeah. Yeah. Some hotels, depending on the state they're in are better than others. Yeah. Like they'll have like, you know, fire pits or something and you're allowed to smoke out there. Uh, others like they're, they're, you're not, and you got to kind of find a, you know, a spot to find, you know, uh, uh, but it's always outside, you know, yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And then um, you got weather issues too. Like at Megacon, it rained. So we actually were smoking and meeting outside underneath the valet parking overhang. Mm. You know? <laughs> hey, you made it work though. That's what matters. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. no, that's fantastic. Um, now, one of the things with, uh, with the two fisted, you know, manly tales, obviously you brought mm-hmm. in all these other creators. Is this something right. down the road that maybe you're thinking about with Compass Comics is uh, expanding the umbrella a little bit and, um, you know, having some of your 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 uh, cohorts, you know, maybe, uh, you know, do their own projects kind of underneath that umbrella a little bit? Or are you keeping yeah, it kind of... Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Uh, it was a lot of work. It's much more work than when I'm doing it myself, because I don't have the answer to me. Uh, and it was also a lot less profitable, even though, you know, the, the funding on that reached $137,000. There's a lot of expenses. Yeah. A lot of talent has to be paid for, you know, and even I'm not paying top rate either. Cause I'm just a small independent guy. Yeah. It still, you know, eats into the profit margins pretty quick. Oh, I would imagine. So, um, yeah, I just didn't know if it was, um, Maybe something where, let's say, you know, you had a, a creator that came along and said, you know, I want to do my own book and blah, blah, blah. And like, it's kind of one of those things. I could see this to where 
um, it's not so much that like maybe you're, for lack of a better term, employing them and paying them the rate and everything, but like mm-hmm. almost maybe like an image model to where like you know you come in and you're like, look, I have the infrastructure, I have the printer, and I I can you know I I work you know I know. I can send you to these directions and blah, blah, blah. And I can help you out with this. And if you want to like, mm-hmm. you know, jump onto our, to our, you know, uh, uh, funding platforms and things like that, you know, kind of, kind of, you get what I'm saying, right? I mean, is that maybe mm-hmm. a feasible way to look at it? You know, that, um, that way you're not directly just cutting a check and saying, okay, here, here's your payment for the pages that you produced. Yeah, the, the, if somebody's got everything completed and yeah. ready to roll, uh, that's one thing. But most most of the, the the time it takes to put together a comic is 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 monumental. Uh, you you can't just crap it out mm-hmm. uh, in a month, you know. So these people have to make a living, you know. They have to they have to pay bills and all that kind of stuff. So that's the beauty of crowdfunding is you get the money up front to to work on the project and then you know. Uh, it's basically a gift, you know, you, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're backing the production of this thing. And as a gift, you, you get all the goodies and stuff like that. So you're not really buying the comic, uh, like you would purchase it from a store. It's, it's slightly different that way. Yeah. Um, but it works out great. Uh, you know, to do it, like you had said, uh, uh, with somebody who had it all done, you know, that's a possibility to be able to, you know, cut a profit, uh, you know, a split deal or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, and me as a publisher, uh, uh, taking a cut to promote it, to get on my platform, all that kind of stuff. But like with two fisted man, tales, every one of those creators own the, that property. They all own their properties. Okay. So they have the right to do anything with any of those characters that they created for that book. Um, the only thing they can't do is reprint that story. Because I own the reprint rights, uh, I own the printing rights. The story. That's what I was. I, but, that, that was my follow up. As I was going to ask, in terms of like, you know, this book, does that mean that if let's say X creator says, "Hey, I don't want to do that," you know, can they stop reprints of that book? But it doesn't. But no, that's that's not the no, case. Okay. No, no, I can I can reprint the two pieces of stuff ad nauseum. Yeah. Uh, but let's say. Um, uh, Chuck wanted to, or, or was approached by Hollywood for Volsung, mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 the barbarian character, the Viking character. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can take that to, to any studio and, uh, and, and cut any deal he wants. And I don't get a, a, a cent for it. Yeah. I want my creators to own outright everything that they create, you know, because that's not how it is and how it's been. You know, I, I think that you put the work in, you own it. Well, and and let's be real. The benefit to you, if let's say one of these creators does, you know, take one of these characters, spin it off, do more stuff with it, and maybe you know, hit 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 uh, hit it big, and and maybe right. get something out in Hollywood. You know, you've got this book that you can promote and say, hey, we have this character. You know, we have this in here. You first know, appearance, exactly. First appearance, even. <laughs> yeah. So no, yeah. that that I mean, so there's something I guess in it, but it's not. You're not. I get what you're saying. You're not, you know, capturing any of the uh, the the Hollywood money off of it. No, no t-shirts or, yeah. or any of that stuff. I just, I just, you know, they were paid for the stories that they did for me, and I own the imagery and the publishing rights of those stories. I don't own 
the uh, the characters. Um, you know, he could take that same story and make it a screenplay. Yeah. And I wouldn't own that either. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I wanted to give them as much creative freedom as possible. Very cool. You know, my 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 whole idea was make money on the book itself. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, it made a little bit of money, uh, a little bit of profit. But, uh, you know, not like Alien Alamo or the Chinoo, uh, because, you know, I'm just paying myself. There. I was going to say, that's just all going straight to you. So let's talk a little bit yeah. more about your uh, your current, you know, project that you're promoting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I, like I said, if for folks that are interested in checking it out, it is on Indiegogo, you know, they need to search for the, the... uh, just to type in my name, Ray okay. Nolan is the easiest way. All right. I and, was going to, uh, I didn't it, know if it'll it come was up. you or if it was the, the title of the book. Um, so in terms of, uh, you know, maybe what if they folks... can spell the title of the book, they can look it up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I would say that's one of the but things. It, it might be easier just to type my name. So uh, not a lot of people know Matakumbaki. <laughs> well, it's, I'm glad you just said that because I was sitting here going like Matakumbe, Matakumbaki. Um, so in terms of uh, what people can expect out of that book, you know, what are what are give it give the elevator pitch. You know, I mean, oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, uh, Ghost of Matakumbaki. <clears throat> is again another cross genre thing it's a adventure story it's a crime story it's a romance and it's all wrapped around a creepy ghost story and uh it involves these characters misty and meathead uh who are private detectives that are um the ghosts from that from that 1935 hurricane that i spoke to you yeah. are restless and there's a reason for it and they have to saw uh, Misty is uh, has a connection with the spiritual world and they're coming to her for help. And she needs to just, just they need to s- discover the mystery uh, of how they died, what they're looking for uh, at the same time, because this takes place today. It takes place in, in modern day. There's a um, there's a crime boss, which because of his illegal activities, starts everything in motion, disturbs the go- the ghosts. And causes everything to go. So that, that's the crime story. Uh, and it all has to tie together. And at the same time, it's the linchpin that's going to tie together. Uh, uh, clearly, Alien Alamo and the Chinoo. Not to mention uh, Joe Frankenstein and uh, Monster Island. All of, all of the uh, uh, creator-owned properties that I have. You know, I figured out a way to tie them all together. And it'll become evident uh, in the story, and then we can really go off and expand. Fantastic! Um, so then, in terms of going off and expanding, I know we're obviously promoting uh, the uh, the current project, but you know, mm-hmm. you have you have thoughts going forward. What can people expect going forward? Um, there's going to be a, a follow up to Joe Frankenstein, and then there. Ha- uh, a, the plan is to do uh, the third installment, Escape from Monster Island, which is the trilogy. Uh, and then eventually I will collect all the Monster Island books together in a hardcover omnibus uh, that will be published under the Compass Comics banner where it belongs. Like the last Return to Monster Island was published under Ominous Press. Okay. Uh, and I had all the rights re- returned back to me. So the first one was Compass Comics. That was the first book ever done uh, under that banner. And so now I want all of them to be under Compass Comics again. So uh, that will be 
uh, a collected, you know, the first uh, escape will be like a traditional uh, perfect bound. And then it'll be collected with return and the original monster Island in a hardcover omnibus type thing. And the same thing with Joe Frankenstein. Um, I'm going to uh, recollect those six issues or five issues. I can't remember how many they were. They were, they were extra large page counts. Like each issue is like 27, 30 pages. Okay. Uh, so there might've been five of those. Uh, so yeah, so that, you know, that, that's going to be a big book. It was originally published by IDW. Mm. And again, uh, we got the, we got the rights returned to us. So, uh, that will be collected again under a hardcover under Compass Comics banner before the launch of the uh, the next installment in Joe Frankenstein. Okay, okay, boy, you know a really badass uh, omnibus, and I oh god, I'm trying to, I you know you would know better than I would uh, page count on this, and if it's even remotely feasible. But man, if you could compile all of the Monster Island, the Joe Frankenstein, Shinu. Alien Elmo and the Manakumbe Key. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Manakumbe Key. Manakumbe yeah. Key. Yeah. Man, you just do like a badass, like all in one book, you know? Right. I mean, do it you... like the, the, comp- the Compass Comics Omnibus. Yeah. I mean, that would have everything. In- it'd be, that would, I mean, I'm sure it'd be a hefty tome, but man, it'd be a kind of oh, a yeah. really badass way to collect it all together there. It would. Yeah. It would. I'd it'd buy be one. a. Yeah, a shipping nightmare, but uh, well, you know, yeah, it'd be an expensive ship. It but, would. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? If if there's interest there for people that like to collect the hardcovers, and ha- having wet my uh, uh, feet in the water doing the hardcover for uh, Two Fisted Manly Tales, man, I like how that looks. Oh, uh, it, it I came really together like really the well. Feel of it. Yeah. 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 I, I'm digging that. So I'm 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 very pro hardcover. <laughs> I, you know, I prefer that. That's when I get a book. That's that's how I prefer. Be it either an actual like uh, reading, like a text, you know, kind of book, or a comic. I mean, you know, I I prefer the hardcover myself. Um, but uh, it's just it's a it's. I understand the logistics behind it are probably you know a little daunting, especially something that you know like what I'm talking about. Which I mean, my God, we you know you're talking. I don't know how many pages would we be talking in a tomb like that or tome dot tomb. Oh boy! I mean, you got to figure. Uh, I mean, let's see. You got to. Uh, let's see. It'd be ninety-two and fifty. That's one hundred and fifty. Uh, the next one probably ninety. So uh, that would be a two forty uh, plus sixty-four three sixty-four four. Uh, and then uh, close to a thousand pages. I was gonna say we're talking like a thousand pages here. So yeah, be a yeah, hell, a hell of a yeah. Book. Plus, plus all the goodies too. You know, uh, the covers yep. gotta go in there. You know, sketches, design elements, all that kind of stuff. The ultimate thing. Yeah. You know? Well, and so okay, so now we're talking goodies. There, have you considered maybe doing a? Um, uh, I'm I'm throwing out ideas at you. I'm giving you work. Um, hey, I'll take them. Go ahead. Like an annot- <laughs> an, like an annotated version to where like, you know, hey, here's the Chanu, but it's the annotated version where you go in and have like, you know, your notes like 
when I was doing this, this is the, this is what I was trying, you know, this is my, my rationale for doing this. And I wanted to do this, this angle in this shot because, you know, doing it the other way, you know, blah, 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 whatever, you know, kind of going at it and, and kind of giving more of a behind the scenes kind of look at the, the, the rationale and the thought process that went into the creation of it. Yeah. I thought about that. Like, cause I, uh, with alien animal, I did a, uh, uh, an ash can. Okay. And the ash can was the layouts and script that became the finished pages. And I was thinking about doing like um, a version of the book or, or the version of the Chanu where you'd have the finished page on one side, colored, whatever, or black and white in the Chanu's case. Uh, and then on the other side might be the layout for that page okay. uh, and how it evolves. So you can look at the two together uh, and see. You know, and then, of course, like you said, I could put, you know, uh, captions and notes on the other page to, you know, thought processes and, and why I changed that angle from the original, you know, that kind of stuff. I think that would be kind of cool. I think that'd be really cool. And see, in the, one of the other type of books that I really, really enjoy is um, the uh, the artist editions, you know, where you see the, the and, and I don't know, are you uh, on paper, pen, pencil paper, or are you, you know, like the Wacom tablet, like going digital with it? Um, the Chinoo and Alien Alamo uh, and the Ghost of Medicum Piquet were all done on my iPad Pro okay. using using Procreate. Now, um, uh, Monster Island and Return to Monster Island were all done uh, traditionally on, on board. Okay. Um, and I don't know, forgive my ignorance. Have you put out like artist editions of those or are those? We put out an artist edition of, uh, the original monster Island. Okay. Uh, that was again through ominous press. I haven't done it through, uh, through compass comics. Okay. No, I just, I really enjoy looking at like, you know, the actual line work and the, the artwork and everything. Yeah. And so I would think something like that would be a really cool way of doing it. But, um, mm-hmm. I don't know how that would work. You would know better than I would, uh, how that would work with maybe your more recent, um, books. If, if they're like when you're drawing on an iPad, you know, in procreate, you know, are you laying down like, you know, pencils and then going, you know, and then going back and inking and then coloring or is mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. They're all done on layers. So, uh, all I got to do is, um, click off the finished layers and the sketch layers are still there. Okay. And all so, I have to do is open up the sketch layers so I could print those out or I wouldn't print them out. I would send those digital files. In yeah. With the, uh, the same way I would have sent the finished ones in. So yeah, it's, it's very easy to do. I think that'd be a really cool way of doing it, you know, and, um, I like it, you know, and okay. So more ideas here. One of the other things, um, that I've seen a lot online and in various, you know, Facebook groups and whatnot that I belong to is, um, where, um, amateurs you know will find you know pencil pages they'll print it out and they'll they'll practice their inking skills and whatnot on said pages you know maybe it's one of those things where you could sell and put together um um like just the i'm trying to think of how you could do this you could either do actual printed versions for people that want to actually do the pen to the the page or, you know, if you have digital files that, you know, you could sell that maybe are watermarked in such a way that, you know, people can't, you know, do anything with it. 
um, that they could, right. you know, do their, their procreate practicing or something. I don't know. Just it's all sorts of, that's the beauty of you doing this kind of create your own stuff is you have the ability to just like go out and just do, you know, whatever you want to do and, and, you know, really like think outside the box with it. And I, I love to listen to my backers too. You know, they've had some great ideas for things, you know, uh, uh, add-ons or things you could put into the campaign or stuff you could add to the book. You have the, uh, there's been some great ideas. The stuff Chanu. Yeah, yeah. Plushy. Yeah. The plushie. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the next thing that's going to launch in the next, um, I got to get two pissed man tails out the door. Uh, Julie is there now finishing up that we should have, uh, the Indiegogo one completely shipped by early next week. Okay. And then, uh, we'll start in on the Kickstarter version of it, uh, and that'll be done. In a week. That one was small, so uh, within the next two weeks at the latest, uh, everything will be out the door. So, uh, so okay. So you just brought up another point. So obviously, there's different platforms for all this. Um, you have been using Indiegogo. I know you went on to Kickstarter with uh, with the Two Fisted Manly Tales. Um, you know, are, is there, have you found things that you like about each platform or is it one of those like, you know, Indiegogo is kind of like, it gives you the most, or I, I guess I'm kind of curious as to your thoughts on the platforms there. Uh, I've done better on Indiegogo than I have on Kickstarter. Okay. I, I feel that my fan base is more Indiegogo sensitive, if you will. Um, there was a time when Kickstarter was gatekeeping. Mm. They had a real SJW running the comics line and they were shutting down uh, any kind of conservative thought or conservative uh, 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 people that were on the platform. I so see. a lot of people had a bad taste in their mouth about uh, Kickstarter. But Kickstarter has gotten rid of those people and um, they seem to be you know, much more um, uh, amenable to, to other thoughts and it's, as long as they don't break any of the, their rules, you know, uh, and that's the same on Indiegogo. Yeah. But I, I've done better on Indiegogo. Okay. All right. Kickstarter. Kickstarter has some some nice aspects of it uh, as far as, like, fulfillment, how you download uh, stuff. But it also has some annoying things like surveys that have to go out and that uh, the money isn't locked in uh, until – uh, the campaign closes or, or meets its, uh, its goal, you I know, see. which is never a problem. I set, I, I set my goal at, at $500. Uh, so you and it, clear it, it, it right blows away. through that in, in two minutes, yeah. you know, uh, you know, we raised 30,000 in the first 24 hours. Wow. So and what that does by doing it that way, you're, you're at a risk by doing it that way, but I have enough experience and I have enough backers now that I know I can do that. It, hit good numbers regardless. But a lot of people first starting out are afraid to do that because let's say they only make $6,000 for their, you know, 64 page book, you know, you're losing money. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't have the money to produce it first off and you don't have the money to pay the printer and everything else. And yet you're still obligated unless you refund all of that. And then in that case, now you got a black mark on you. And, yeah. You know, you, uh, this guy couldn't do it, but so that's a risk you take, but, but if you do it successfully and it takes off uh, like mine have done, what that 
it does is it, it triggers the algorithms uh, at the platforms, Indiegogo or Kickstarter, that says, hey, successful campaign. Look at this. This is funding at 8,000%. You know? yeah. So they now send stuff out to people that you don't know you know, in emails and stuff that, Hey, cause they're not going to promote a crappy campaign. Yeah. They're not going to say, Hey, this, you know, Oh, this one's not doing so good. You know, you guys need to get on board. Uh-uh. They're pushing, they're pushing successful campaigns. So by doing that and boosting that up, uh, you're more likely to get help from the platforms. Ah, interesting. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, interesting. So let's talk about cigars for a little bit here. Since again, this is, you know, we're 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 heavy on the comics. I want to talk about cigars for a little bit. So, um, sure. What what have you been smoking lately that you've been enjoying? I mean, obviously you got the Macanudo. I'll tell you. What what are you thinking of the Macanudo yeah, Inspirado? Uh, it's very nice. It's very nice. Um, a little peppery. Yeah. Uh, but um, I'm not sure if this is a Connecticut wrap on this or not. Uh, it looks like like it's light. It might be. Uh, and I I typically like a a, a mild uh wrap but i also like um uh the maduros uh, i love a box press maduro uh and as far as like what i've been enjoying lately i've been digging on the uh, rocky patel uh java reds oh yeah okay um those are that's like smoking a dessert <laughs> i'll tell you so have you tried the mint no i haven't tried the mint Okay, so the Rocky Patel Java Mint, I caught a little bit of grief from uh, a friend of mine who uh, he's one of these guys who's like, I don't do the infused cigars. and uh, But I the Java Mint, dude, it's like smoking a Girl Scout cookie. It's a, it's a heavy, it's a Maduro, oh, nice. it's a Maduro and mm-hmm. um, it has that mint infusion to it. So it's just like smoking one of the Thin Mint Girl Scout cookies. It's really, really good. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, what I like about the Java Red is it's uh, I think the wrapper has been like soaked in cherry or something like yep. that, uh, and there, there's hints of chocolate and cherry in there. And when you put it on your lips before you even light it, it's like oh, you know, you don't get any of that bitter tobacco taste. It's it's almost a sweetness to it. Yeah, very very nice. I um, way back when I first, not too long after I first started smoking cigars, I was sitting at a fire pit at a bar here. Um, and having a cigar and this this guy walked up with his girlfriend and they sat down and he gets out his cigar and starts lighting it up and we're talking you know what are you smoking blah 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 and he was smoking one of the um it was a drew estate acid i don't remember which one it was and uh something his girlfriend drew estate makes that make the drew estate makes the job around. yeah Full it's Rocky. a collaboration between the two yeah and um his girlfriend said something to me that has stuck with me Ever since then, she goes, she goes, yeah, I even like smoking that. And she goes, and I like him smoking it because his lips always taste so good when we make out afterwards. And I'm like, see, ah, there we go. There, that's, that's why you smoke the infused you, stuff. <laughs> you got you to think of the, uh, the after effects. You, you do. <laughs> you do. So just to let you know, uh, the Macanudo Inspirado Red uh, has an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. And um, oh, okay, and it uh, has uh, Nicaraguan tobacco in it, which is where you're getting that that kind of peppery kind of note from it. So uh, that makes sense. There you okay, go. So, very cool. Did a little. I'm not big on pepper uh, as a flavor in a cigar. Yeah, uh, I had a I had a H Upman one time, 
that it was like, oh my God. I took, I, I was at Rhode Island Con and I took it outside with me and it was uh, Halloween weekend. It was very breezy and cold and I was outside having a cigar. And this thing must have been like in my humidor too long or something like that. But I fought that damn thing all night long. Uh, it was, it was, it was, it was coming off. The, the cap was coming off yeah. and the front end was splitting like, like this, yeah. you know, like, like a bullet does when it hits into something. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, God damn it. Uh, uh, but I wasn't going to give up on it. I just kept up there <laughs> sucking away because <laughs> I didn't have another one. Well, now, okay, that's a, that's that's what I was going to ask is, you know, if you had another one, because realistically, man, when I get one that, that blows apart on me like that, you know, I just, I'm, I'm supposed to be enjoying this. And so for me, when, right. when it goes that south, I'm like, I, I give it up and I just go on to something else. But that makes sense it's, if you need to Sometimes they're like the, the interior tobacco is rolled too tight, Yeah, you know? And, and you're like, you're like, it's like, you're trying to suck on a, a milkshake, yeah. you know, to, to get a draw out of it. Like, you know, it's like, oh man, I always say it's a like, lot of work. I like, shouldn't be working this. Hard. Exactly. I always say it's like trying to suck a gra- uh, grape through a straw. You know, it's just, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's just not something that's enjoyable at all. Um, I'll tell you something that I take a key and I yeah. dig it out, you know, <laughs> to get more air in here or something. Yeah. Um, something that, um, I keep, I was just talking with a guy last night about this and I'll throw this at you as just a, something to keep in mind. Um, so there's a, uh, there's a brand of, of Italian cigars called Toscano. Have you had one of those? No. So, okay. They're, they're, you know, about so long and, but they're real thin. So they're almost like cigarellos to a degree. And you buy a box oh. of eight, you buy a box of eight of them. They're like 20 bucks for a box of eight. They're they're fire cured cigars, so they're going to have that real kind of campfire. Uh, it's like smoking a campfire, you know. It's real kind of oh, okay. that kind of th- flavor to it. They have infused ones, so you can get a cherry one or an anise flavored one or whatever. You know, they have the flavored ones. Um, but the beauty of these things is they don't require humidification. So I keep a box of them in my glove box in my car so that if I'm ever somewhere and I don't have a cigar, I have those with me. And I always keep a lighter and a cutter in my glove box, too. So it's like I always I yeah, have all that. And so with the Toscanos, man, you know, something like that. If if let's say you're going to a con and, you know, you don't for whatever reason have bring your travel humidor, you just throw this box. Is, it's tiny. I mean, it's not big at all you throw the box in your bag you've always got those you don't have to worry about humidifying it and the best part about them uh aside from the humidification factor is let's say you only have half an hour you can clip it in half and it doesn't unravel so if let's say oh so if you only have half an hour you can clip it in half and you can smoke that half and you've still got another half or let's say you're with a buddy and you know you only have one of these things. You can clip it in half, and each of you get a half kind of deal. And oh, and nice! It's a brilliant little cigar to have just in a pinch. Toscano, okay. Toscano. Look, I will look for that. Look that up. I'll see if, the, if my if my club sells them. Yeah. Um, you know, there's certain brands they don't sell. Like they don't have uh, Davidoff there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's another cigar place uh, out this way that does have that stuff, like uh, the Monte Cristos. Which I really love. I love a Monte Cristo. That was my first cigar. Was a Monte Cristo White Series. I had it out in Las Vegas at Caesar's yes, Palace. The Whites. Yep. Oh, very nice Connecticut. Very smooth. You don't, you know, feel like you've eaten an ashtray at the end. Exactly. Of 
Exactly. Yeah. It's a fantastic cigar. But uh, I take them with me when I go fishing. You know, I'll, I'll pack a cigar in. A, I have like a, a tube, a waterproof tube. I'll stick a couple in there, and I got uh, I got a a, a a torch and a uh, a punch in my uh, in my fishing gear bag, and then I'll just you know, if the fishing is slow or something, it's like ah, I'm by the water, I'm in the sunshine. Boom, boom. Light her up. <laughs> just sit there. You know, it's a good day. It's a good day. <laughs> exactly. You got a cigar. It's a good day. Um, no, that's fantastic. So why don't we go ahead and jump into, I've got a little segment here that we do. Um, we do a segment called One Must Go. And the concept of this is, um, got, you can tell it's getting nice out again today because the flies are out. Bugs. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like, I haven't encountered them in uh, quite some time. And all of a sudden, um, you know, they're just... Uh, they're, they're all over the place today, but we have a segment called One Must Go where I throw out a few things and we pick which one okay. has to go. So why don't we jump into that? Adrian Pulieski here. We all need to live united, as it turns out, but one, unfortunately, must go. Brought to you by United Cigars, makers of La Giana Havana, Abuelo, Red Anchor, Firecracker, and of course, United Cigars there. Distributors of Jose Dominguez, Garaflo, Mantosa, and Terranova. In the highly acclaimed Edabe, Byron, and Bandolero there if you're feeling fancy. Buy United, Smoke United, Live United. United Cigars as it turns out. So we have a listener, Jerry Pulaski. He calls into the show sometimes and he's he's beyond calling him a character just isn't isn't doing him justice but we had a uh we had a young lady that had recorded that for us and um uh i now refer to her as the hateful shrew so we we moved on and we had jerry record the uh intro and outro for this bit for a little while until i find somebody else to record it but um anyway jerry sounded like a muppet <laughs> he, that's one way of putting him i mean he's you know, kind of the creepy. He sounded Muppet. like his accent, you know, had one of those Muppet sounds. He too. he's kind of a creepy Muppet that lives in crawl spaces and you know gets into legal trouble. But <laughs> you know, whatever. Okay. He, yeah. So, um, but no. So okay. So we're gonna throw this out now. I know on your YouTube, you've been, uh, you know, you you love monster movies. We've talked about that. Yeah. And I know, you know, we're here in October and you're going through, you know, talking about a lot of old, you know, monster films and things. And so I'm gonna yep. throw this out. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have four, and we're gonna you know discuss this. So one must go. We're gonna go with Dracula. We're gonna go with Frankenstein. We're going with the Mummy, and we're going with the Invisible Man. Those were universal horror. You know, I love the universal horror movies. Me too. Me too. Uh, so uh, of those movies, one's gotta go. One's gotta go. The Mummy. Why is I'll that? tell you why. Okay, I was going to say why is that? Because the mummy, the mummy is the same plot as Dracula. Okay, it's the exact same plot. An undead creature comes back to life, falls in love with a woman. In fact, you got the same cast practically. You got David Manners, and you got uh, uh, the guy who played Van Helsing uh, from Dracula. Yeah, are those two characters now in the mummy? Okay. So Dracula is much more influential. Uh, the first, uh, first, uh, sound vampire ever, ever done. It's got Lugosi in it. He's great. I love Karloff too. Uh, 
Frankenstein's my favorite, so yeah. he's got to stay. Uh, and the Invisible Man uh, has got Claude Rains, and he's just amazing in that. See, so I love it's that be the one. Mummy. I love the Invisible Man, and um, mm-hmm. so let all right, all right. I'm going to mix this up <clears throat> just here a little bit since you you did right. bring this up. So so we'll take out the Mummy, but we'll swap mm-hmm. him for the creature from the Black Lagoon. Creature goes. What? I love the creature. I want to love the creature. I love the <laughs> creature as a creature. Yeah. Uh, but as a movie, uh, they had a choice to either do it in Technicolor or in 3D. Yeah. So you never see it in 3D. So you miss out on that. And that's a movie that should have been in Technicolor. You're in the Amazon jungle. You got the green fishy outfit. Uh, the underwater scenes would have, instead of looking all uh, um, mucky, yeah, would have looked gorgeous in color. So, uh, that that's the one that's got to go for me. All right. Plus, well. Richard Denning such a dick in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's valid. It's valid. I, I love do. Richard Denning. Richard Denning is awesome. You know, but his character is such a dick, and um, I just feel that uh, uh, of the other ones, I, I prefer those monsters better. Uh, uh, how they're presented. All right. Well, that's... I know I'm going to catch shit for that because everybody loves the creature. I do. Uh, love... And I love the creature too. I do love the creature. Although, you know, you do make a valid point that I didn't realize that they had that option because uh, I just kind of assumed that, you know, it was still in that black and white era and everything, but you're right. Putting yeah. that movie in color would have been, would have been really cool. Um, in 1954, it was a huge, you know, the, 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 the 3d was, you know, between 50, 51, I think, 52 yeah. through 54 3D was the bomb. You know, everybody wanted 3D, but it was, you know, a more expensive process. And same thing with the Technicolor. So they couldn't do both. It wasn't in the budget. So I, I think that movie would have been so much cooler in Technicolor. I'll tell you what movie that was filmed in 3D that um, is just, it's highly unfortunate the way it, you know, came out now. But it's one of my guilty pleasure movies. It's It's so bad. It's good to me. Is uh, Jaws 3D? Oh, <laughs> I mean, how do you beat Jaws invading SeaWorld and going up against Lou Gossett Jr.? And and <laughs> and the whole time it's like it's because it's the '80s 3D. It's like you know, here, do you need to get a lighter? You know, and like everybody's oh, yeah. doing that yeah. shit. You know, it's like I just I love it. So and that cheesy that cheesy scene, Lou Gossett Jr. standing in the control room. And he's got that big glass, you know, expanse with the water behind it, you know, uh, out in front of him. And you just see this shark just very slowly coming at the window. And it's just the hokiest thing to watch. But I, I love it so much. It's it's I love the original Jaws. But, man, Jaws 3D is up there in terms of guilty pleasure movies for me. It's just so cheesy. The two 3D movies that I really enjoyed were um, It Came From Outer Space. Okay. I got to see that on, on the big screen in 3D uh, and um, House of Wax, which was Technicolor 3D. Oh, okay. Uh, that was a remake of the 1932 uh, film, um, The Mystery of the Wax Museum. So it's you're, almost the exact same movie. So you're talking the, uh, the Vincent Price version. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, it, we were just, I was just at the cigar lounge. Um, was it yesterday? 
it was yesterday when I was over at the Cigar Lounge, and when I got there, they had on House of Wax, but they had the horrible version that had uh, Paris Hilton in it. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> That's wrong. That's yeah. wrong. Yeah, it was on TV, and, yeah. you know, it was one of those things everybody just, uh, everybody was enjoying watching Paris Hilton die, so, you know, we, uh, we kind of did that, so... But uh, I saw the uh, I saw the original with Vincent Price at the theaters in the 19, early 1970s. Uh, yeah. They used to uh, they used to do uh, uh, like re- movies were different than you could have double features and they, they would also bring back old films and present them the, the way they were. So I got to see that in 3D on the on the screen for the first time. That's where I first saw it. And it just blew me away. Vincent Price was so cool and so uh, creepy. And that is the. As the you know, deformed dude. I'll tell you, that's one of the things that, you know, if, uh, if money were no object and I have the ability to just do what I wanted, um, you know, the, the town that I print my newspaper and they have a little, you know, four screen, you know, on the downtown main street, kind of old school movie theater. And I just think that would just be an incredible thing to do is just to have, have a movie theater and be able to do that kind of stuff, you know, run double features, you know, show not, I don't, I don't care so much about a lot of the newer, you know, stuff coming out. It's like, mm-hmm. let's show some of that really good old stuff that, that people don't see anymore. The only time you see it is on, you know, streaming or, you know, that's if it's on yeah. streaming kind of thing, you know, it's like, let's, let's actually like promote the old good stuff. Well, it's funny you mention that because tomorrow at a classic theater in Buffalo at the North Park Theater in, in, in Buffalo, uh, we're doing a double feature and I'm going to be the, uh, presenting it. And we're doing Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein and The Thing from Another World, two of my all time favorite movies. That's uh, I got to pick them. And so I'm going to give a presentation before each film and tell you about the movie, what, how it was made, things to look for when you see it again, uh, because there's little things that people don't know about. And when they see it, they're going to be like, Oh man, look at that. You know? Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm actually really jealous about that. That sounds really fun. <laughs> um, yeah. So well, let's close out this segment here. The one what's go segment was brought to you by United Cigars. United we smoke. As it turns out. As it turns out. Um, well, I am uh, actually firing up a second one here because um, the wind, I think, consumed quite a bit of my first one. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. You, I'm down you, to this right I was saying, you're, you're, you're there. I, I ended up down to uh, down to just that little bit there before I, oh, finally, yeah. I finally gave it up there. But um, I figure uh, – I take these things right down to my fingers, Brian. That's when I – that's when I put it out. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, for the price point on these these days, um, oh wanna, yeah, you want to make sure you're getting the most out of it. And uh, and I'm in New York, so our taxes uh, on the cigars are, you know, if you say it's an eight dollar cigar, it's it's easily a ten dollar cigar here. Oh my gosh! I mean, yeah, you guys um, between you're what you're at like seventy five percent, I think. It's it's some, yeah they just increased that yeah did they really uh, the, it was the excise excise tax or something they yeah. just they just put this extra tax on there and um, all the cigar uh, uh, people they have a, a, a class action lawsuit going now against the state of New York wow. so we're hoping that that is, those will get rolled back because it's it's confiscatory and it's 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 killing 
you know, this, this artisan business. Well, and it's hurting all of your local brick and mortars because let's be real, your your local club, your local cigar shop, you know, they can't compete with the online guys who, you know, they're right. not, they're not paying those taxes. I mean, you know, and then mm-hmm. then it's it's just it's outrageous, you know. I don't know. I always try to support the local guys. Uh so I belong to a cigar club and I get my cigars from them and I get a discount because I'm a club member. Mm-hmm. So that helps out a lot too. And then they have a lounge, uh, they've got a bar, they've got uh, an outdoor patio, like in the summertime, with fire pit and everything. And yeah, there's food that you can have. So I like to support those guys uh, yeah, every, every time I can. Well, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's important because let's be real, you living in Buffalo there, you know, the uh, the winters are not kind, you know. And right. So, so, you know, you need. And I won't smoke in my house. Yeah, exactly. And I don't either. And. You know, I, I I will smoke in the car, but, you know, in the wintertime, you know, I don't like to because I don't keep the windows rolled up. I don't want a hot box and smother myself mm-hmm. in there. So, you right. know, like on a day like today, yeah, if I'm driving somewhere, I'll have a cigar, but I'll have the windows down. But, um, uh, no, a guy like you in, in an environment like that, you need someplace to go. And, right. you know, it, it's one of those things where I always say that the, with the brick and mortars, you know, yeah, you can go online and you can probably find these cigars cheaper online. But the difference that you're paying at a brick and mortar versus online, just look at it as rent. You're renting that chair. You're renting that space, you know, to sit and enjoy it there at the, at the right. in, you know, shop. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, uh, it's one of those things that it's, it's hard getting that through to some people. But, you know, it's one of those deals. You need to invest in a nice fishing tent. No. Oh, no, no, no. I'll tell you what. I got one two years ago. It's a little five by five, you know, so 25 square foot insulated ice fishing tent. I set it up on my patio. I have my extension cord that goes uh, from the house underneath the flap. And uh, I have my space heater. And it's it's a three prong extension cord. So I have the space heater plugged in. I have a utility light hanging from the top. And then I have a power strip plugged into it that I put my iPad on so I can sit there. I can watch movies and whatnot. And I've been out in that. It's been, you know, below zero. And I, with the space heater in that tent, I can be out there in gym shorts and a t-shirt and be perfectly fine. And, um, it's, it's just an amazing way to sit and enjoy cigars at home in the wintertime. And more than likely I'll be setting mine up this weekend. Cause, um, I think this is probably going to be one of our last nice weekends here in St. Louis. So, you know, I'll get that set up for the wintertime. But I'll tell you what, it was the best money I invested. I think I'm about 300 bucks total into the thing between the tent and everything else. And it, it was not a, bad. No, I mean, it's it's an eyesore. I mean, it's a big red tent that's like sitting out on my patio like all winter long. So, you know, it's not exactly uh, – uh, it, it's very conspicuous, let's put it that way. But still, it, yeah. it does the job. I will say after two My years. My dog would knock it over. Oh, see, now I weigh, <laughs> I weigh it down. See, that's the problem. you got to weigh it down because, you know, as an ice fishing tent, um, it's got the rivets so you can drill into the mm. ice and, and weigh it down that way. So I have these big, you know, stone, like, patio blocks that I put on the four corners, and that keeps it nice and weighed down and – and everything else and and it's really nice but uh yeah it's uh 
it's definitely you know you gotta if you're gonna do it you need to like go all in with it but it does help yeah. a lot in the winter time i'll say that much so yeah i'll usually just go to the club and like we said it's very convivial which is nice i could go there by myself and some dudes will be there you sit down you start talking mm-hmm. you know you fire up you get a conversation going you know got some sports up on the big tvs yeah. and everything and love that you know how, how far away is your club from your place 20 minutes Oh, see, that's not bad. See, I'm 45 minutes from my cigar lounge. So, you know, it's yeah. it's one of those things that it's a bit of a commitment, you know, living, say, I live in on the Illinois side of the river here in the St. Louis area, and uh, we don't have shit on our side of the river here. I mean, we're, oh, okay. we're in the People's Republic of Illinois where you can start up a, a weed lounge anytime you want, but, you know, heaven forbid you want right. to start up a cigar lounge, you know. So, right. um, yeah. So we have to, because weed is okay. You're, you're inhaling that. Right. You know, well, see, and, and, uh, that's a whole nother issue. You know, it's like, you've got it to where, <laughs> you know, the thing is it's this, there, there actually was a weed lounge that was started not too terribly far from me and it's in a strip mall. So it's like, you know, this smoke is bleeding through the walls and, and, and ventilation into the other bays of this strip mall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with marijuana smoke, I mean, you can get people like, you know, contact high from it. Whereas like yeah. cigars, I mean, like secondhand. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to deal with that with cigars. But anyway, that's again, more, more griping about the state of the world at this point. But anyway, that's okay. <laughs> that's what we do when we sit around uh, smoking cigars. We you figure know? out the problem. touching on all that stuff. Yeah, that's right. We're problem solvers. I know. See, as I always tell everybody, it's like, look, you know, if these politicians want to learn how to fix all these problems, they just need to go and sit in a cigar lounge for a couple days and they'll have all the answers they need to fix everything. But yet nobody ever comes to us and asks. We got opinions. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's crap, but anyway, well, again, where can people find out about, uh, the ghost of Manicumba Manicumba Key. Key. I swear one of these days I'm going to get that. <laughs> well, the easiest thing to do is you go to my website, which is compasscomics.com. Okay. Uh, that's the name of my company. And, uh, on there, there's, uh, some of the past issues you could buy. Uh, and, uh, the ghost of uh, the, um, uh, the link to the Indiegogo is on there as well. So you can, you can, if it's easy to remember compasscomics.com and you can go, uh, click on the link from compasscomics.com. It'll take you to Indiegogo. Fantastic. And, um, aside from that, I think, uh, is there anything else that you want to touch on? Anything else you want to discuss? Uh, just that I have a YouTube channel, which you know about. I uh, do. If you just, uh, Type in Graham Nolan on YouTube; it'll come up, and there you can see my 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 uh, my shows. I do a regular show called The Storytellers, where I have guests on, or I I, I take uh, artists and writers who may have passed away and expose their work to people and tell you why they were great and influential. Uh, but I I usually get a lot of guests on there too. We promote each other's work, and that's a great show. And then right now in October, I do the Thirty One Days a Month on the youtube channel and that's every morning monday through friday at 8 a.m take a different monster movie each day we talk about it saturdays it's usually at nine and sundays it's whenever i get it in so that one moves around on sundays yeah uh but then we're back to eight o'clock and that's a lot of fun if you if you like the monster movies we have a lot of fun 
And I, I did a, a watch party the other night, and I'm going to do it again this Wednesday, where we take a, a public domain film and we put it on and people in the chat talk about it and we talk about it and make fun of things. And it, it, it's, it's, you know, we usually pour drinks, have snacks, you know, and I ask people, well, what are you drinking tonight? You know, and they'll, they'll, they'll chime in. So it's a very interactive thing, which is what I'm loving about all this is the direct contact. Yeah. Yeah. With my fan base and, and stuff. And it's, it's, it's definitely one-on-one. Uh, it, it's so much fun. No, that's awesome. So, and yes, I follow you on uh, YouTube, so everybody else should check that out. Especially if you're into, uh, you know, the horror movies. At the very least, check out the 31 Days in October. You know, the monster movie ones that you're putting up. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I love the fact that you know, um, there's guys like you that are coming in and and you know, doing um, creating content. You know, talking about you know the. the historical side of the comics industry, you know, the, the artists and writers and the various people that maybe for whatever reason have, have been lost to time or maybe, you know, maybe creators that, you know, we all know about, but maybe you guys have like either a unique perspective on, or, you know, you want to highlight something, something, you know, kind of unique and different that, you know, they do. I know, um, I don't know. There's all kind. Of, there, there's a couple different shows that I follow that are that are similar ish to that in nature, and you just mm-hmm. you learn so much. And I have been through, especially through COVID. Like I said, I was going back and buying a whole bunch of uh, older stuff. But even since then, it's like I've found so many cool things that I didn't even know about that I'm going out and buying and, and checking out. It's just it. I mean, yeah. I've got a shipment coming here soon. With um, I think uh, should be coming either today or tomorrow. Uh, with a copy of uh, uh, Marvel Team Up, I think it's 100, with uh, Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four, where uh, done by Frank Miller. You know, it's this, it's this mm. Frank Miller, you know, book that, like, I, I mean, I didn't know that he did the Fantastic Four at any point. And so, you know, yeah. here, here's this Frank Miller comic coming that I was cool. unaware of. You know, things like that, little things like that, that, you know, it's like you learn about and and, and it's just great. Do you ever slab your comics? I don't. Um, I, I'm mine by and large. Mine are reader copies. You know, I don't. You know, I'm not one of those guys where, you know, I need the nine point eight and I do the slabbing and everything like that. I, I haven't gotten right. into that. Yeah. Well, Nick knows that uh, I'm a big Fantastic Four fan. In fact, uh, uh, I saw a picture. Uh, that Nick had posted of his humidor and it had a, uh, a statue of the thing back <laughs> before, uh, they, they banned any smoking. So uh-huh. the thing is smoking, you know, his, his, his stoking. And I said, Oh, that's amazing. I get one of those. And Nick found one at his local store and sent it to me. And now the thing guards my humidor. <laughs> so I would, thank you for that, Nick. Oh I no. It. I it see was, it every day. It was my pleasure. And I actually have to give a shout out to one of my listeners, David Clark, David Clark is the one who um, sent me a message and said, hey, man, I just went to this shop and they have that thing statue that you have. So that day I left and went over there and, and got it and, and sent it to you. So so David, yeah. David Clark's the one that's actually responsible for, for finding that. Well, thank you, that. David. <laughs> well, 
He, he has a, a place of honor on my humidor. Well, I, I show it to everybody. I say, hey, I want to show you my humidor. And they're like, oh, my God, is that the thing smoking a cigar? I'm like, yeah. I, it's like it's it's great. And and I'll tell you, so, you know, to, to piggyback on that, I want to thank you because you turned around and uh, drew me a uh, – picture of the thing smoking a cigar and i currently have that framed and above my humidor in my room so nice i've got the thing cigar guys gotta stick together brother i know it's great (laughs) and you know we've got we got ben Grimm, you know garden garden the cigars in multiple locations this is great but hey you take our cigars and it's clobbering time it is (laughs) it's funny i you know when i feel like recently I saw I, – I might be making this up. I don't know. I might be getting something confused. I feel like recently I saw a new you know, story or piece of work that had uh, the thing with a cigar. And I don't – I could be I, – I very, very could be mixing it up. But I feel like maybe it was that new Alex Ross um, book. Oh, yeah. That I got did. that. Um, did, 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 I don't think so. I, I don't remember. Am I wrong? The All right, now. I might be wrong then. Um, Marvel has banned that. Casada uh, put yeah. that into uh, that 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 anti-smoking in any form. Not even the bad guys. Like I did a I did a book for them where I had the kingpin, and I was basing the kingpin on the John Romita version. So he's got the the cigarette holder and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I've got him smoking. And he's a bad guy. Yeah. Who's going to look up and say, "Oh." That that big bad guy smoking a cigar or a cigarette. Yeah, that's gonna make me smoke cigarettes. Yeah. So I drew all these panels with him in there, and the artwork comes back, and he's standing there like this with nothing in his hand. <laughs> they they removed it in the bullpen. Oh my god! So now these drawings of a guy like this, it just looks stupid. It's like, oh, he's giving the peace sign. What's yeah. he doing? You know? Oh my gosh! It, it's a great prop too when you're drawing guys, you know, especially your bad guys, you know. Oh, for sure. I mean, well, yeah, because, yeah, I mean, think about it. Back in the day, you had what? Just on the Marvel side, you had, uh, I can think, The Thing, Wolverine, and Nick Fury. I mean, you rarely yeah. ever saw any one of them without a cigar. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know. Well, Jack and, Jack and Stan both smoke yeah. cigars and oh, pipes. I mean, Jack, I mean, my God, you know, the guy, again, there's a guy that you rarely saw without a cigar. I mean, there's so many of those, yeah. and and see, and I love those photos from. Um, I love I love studio tours, and I love you know photos of guys working in their studio, and I I, I love looking at the workspaces. And so, to mm-hmm. your point, you know, Jack, it's like you see all these photos of him, you know, hunched over the table and working on the on the pages. He's always got a cigar going. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah, I, I have a, a, a photograph of John Severin, and he's at his drawing table, and he's probably—I don't know if he's working for EC at this time or whatever—but he's he's sitting there and he's holding a forty-five ACP, a nineteen eleven, and he's holding it and he's using it as reference for drawing. Yeah. and that ain't no fake gun. That's not a plastic <laughs> toy with a with an orange tip or something. Yeah, that's a real forty-five. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's just, you know, it was a different breed of guy back then, it seems like. That's for sure. So There's a great story. There's a, uh, an artist. His name was Cameron, I believe. Uh, he was, uh, this took place in the 1950s. And he had been in, in the Marine Corps. Uh, he was a comic artist. He went into the Marine Corps, fought in World War II in the Pacific, 
and he came out and now he's making the rounds at the publishers and stuff. And he went, he and his buddy were back and forth and they weren't getting any traction. So they went into this local pub in the city and he's sitting there and a uh, bunch of loudmouths in there were ragging on the Marine Corps, you know, and about these veterans coming home and taking jobs and stuff like that. And this guy and his buddy took them and threw them through the plate glass window right out on the fifth Avenue. <laughs> Well, there, there's a two-fisted manly That's tale a two-fisted for you. two-fisted manly tale right there. <laughs> See, there you go. There's your yeah. follow-up to the two-fisted manly tales. Mm-hmm. You could do volume two, two-fisted manly tales of the comic book industry. And you could talk about, you do like the true story, you know, these different guys, that, you know, these right. these manly tales and, you know, just kind of put those out there based on true stories kind of thing. That way nobody comes right. at you. So I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So. Well, Graham, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I really do appreciate it, and I definitely encourage any of my comic book uh, loving listeners to uh, to check out not just your your um, uh, YouTube, but also you know your your Indiegogo. Especially you know look into the current you know the new project, the Ghosts of Matakumbe Key. Did yep. I get? It? Hey, you there we it. go. We got it. All right, winner. It was only a little. You know, about two hours in, but we figured it out. But um, and then it, it uh, rolls off the tongue. It does, you know. Uh, and then uh, you know, obviously, check out the old the the prior stuff. The Chanu, I love the Chanu Alien Alamo. I really dig that. You know, the Two Fisted Manly Tales. I'm like I said, you know, full disclosure. I'm still working through that, but it's been really good. And um, good. I do have um, I do have Monster Island. I'm thinking. I do think I bought something from Ominous. That may have been your artist edition, and I may just like. Could be. It's it's. I'll admit it's boxed up. So I've I've moved since you and I spoke last, and uh, okay. you know uh, all my most of my books are boxed up in a storage unit right now. Oh, look at you! You're finally you're done. Well, yeah. you got some time. I'm, I'm starting to. I'm starting to burn my finger. <laughs> you got some time out of that too. That's great. You're a nice smo- a slow smoker. Oh, yeah. yeah, I I tend to. Uh, enjoy it you need to look <laughs> all right so now that i know you're a slow smoker you need to look into um the uh uh world uh, world cigar smoking championship i think it is i saw that i saw that dude it's it's crazy so like it, rocky patel he the last couple of years he's made the the cigar for it and um you know, it's a certain size, so it's a smaller size, and there's all these rules, okay? So, like, you're given two matches, and that's all you have to light it. And if you can't if you can't get it lit with two matches, then you're out right there. Um, and you, uh, you can't talk for, I think, the first five minutes. It, you know, you can only concentrate on just the cigar. And um, you can't burn the band. Once it gets – you got you to gotta stop smoking it to the point where – you know, it'll it'll put itself out before it gets to the band. If your band gets scorched, then you lose some time and all this. But I think the guy who won, I think he smoked it in like three hours and something. I mean, it's just it's, it's incredible wow. how much you know wow. effort they're putting into this. And but it but there's big prizes, and you get to you know the championship round. I think is over in Europe somewhere, and they they take you over there and do that and it's a real big party and whatnot but wow. yeah so something to look sounds into sounds fun if you oh dude it sounds like a blast i wouldn't be good at it you know but um yeah i'm not i i take my time but i'm not that slow a smoker but you know but you know if you're getting you know hour 46 or better out of out of that then uh 
yeah, you might look into that. You never yeah. know. Depends on, the, depends on the length and the thickness of the cigar, too. I mean, this is... I don't like those big, fat Edgar G. Robinson cigars, you know? No. I mean, you got to have a big mouth <laughs> exactly. for those. Exactly. You know? We, we've got I, one. I, I don't like those. We've got one at the shop um, that I go to. It's a it's a 9 by 90 It comes in its own coffin, and this thing looks like a donkey dick, man. It's just... It's obscene. That's how, the other thing. You look, you look like you're you're blowing a cow. Right? It's just it's just obscene how large this cigar is. But anyway, now Graham, you had one more thing that you wanted to touch on before we go. Yes, uh, uh, my my uh, good friend and partner Chuck Dixon and I are involved in a uh, an entertainment company called Spin Rack, and uh, our properties are going to be spun off into merchandise. Uh, uh, Web3 games, metaverse stuff. Um, there's going to be NFTs. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it's a really exciting project that's going to be launching very, very soon. And uh, I want to encourage folks to uh, go to the Spin Rack Facebook page and like that. And there's going to be a landing page coming up uh, where people can go and sign up. And then they will, they'll be the first to find out about all the, the cool stuff that Spin Rack is going to be putting out soon. Very cool. And uh, that's Spin Rack, not Spinner Rack. That's Spin Rack. Spin Rack, S-P-I-N-R-A-C-K. Perfect. All right. Yeah. Well, Graham, seriously, man, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. And um, I appreciate you having me on, Nick. It was great talking to you again and having a cigar together. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I really do appreciate it. So <laughs> thank you so much for taking time out. So we really want to thank Graham Nolan for coming on to the show today and uh, taking so much time out to talk to us about um, not only, you know, his comics, but uh, comic books in general and monster movies and cigars and everything else. I mean, um, you know, it's one of those things that uh, uh, I've been a comic book reader since I was, you know, five or six and, um you know, it's, it's been a, it's, it's a big part of my life. I mean, I, you know, some, it, it, I, I really, really, uh, have always enjoyed the medium. And so it's been really cool that through, um, this, this little tube of, of rolled up, dried up leaves that I've been able to, uh, make a connection with a guy that, um, you know, I enjoyed his work, um, on, uh, detective comics, you know, back when I was a, a kid. And, uh, what's really nice is that I'm still able to enjoy his work through his independent work and, uh, support him directly through, through the Indiegogo campaigns. And then also use this platform to kind of promote, uh, what he's doing to, um, you know, my, my comic book, uh, enjoying listeners. And hopefully you guys check it out. So um, thank you so much for taking time out, Graham. I really do appreciate it. So now, why don't we go ahead and uh, find out about My Monthly Cigars. This would normally be the time that I give some information about My Monthly Cigars, but I've hired that out this week, so take it away. My Monthly Cigars is a premium cigar subscription service. It comes in a variety of different size boxes at affordable prices. Use offer code PULPIT and get free shipping on your first box and 20% off any items in the online store at MyMonthlyCigars.com. That's Offer Code Pulpit. Thanks! Thanks. 
And then we are available on Instagram at The Cigar Pulpit, as well as at Naked Gator, N-E-K-K-I-D Gator. We're also on Facebook, where we have the Cigar Pulpit Parishioners Group. You're going to want to get in on that. And uh, it's a lot of great interaction there. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, we're on Twitter, where we don't really do a whole lot right now. And YouTube, where you can watch this. And then uh, we do need your questions for Ask the Boys. Uh, obviously, once again, uh, there is no Ask the Boys this Tuesday. It's going to be in the Friday show this week. Uh, but we do need your calls. Area code 863-874-0000. And uh, otherwise... Uh, coming up on the show uh, on Friday, we're going to have uh, Jake. He is our local J.C. Newman and Arturo Fuente rep here in the St. Louis area. We're going to be talking about um, Bricktoberfest uh, with Jake and uh, getting into some of the stuff uh, regarding uh, those two companies. And um, then from there... Um, eh, sky's the limit. We don't really know where we're going from there, but we actually had some stuff scheduled out for the last couple weeks of October, which was kind of nice. You know, it's like we actually were like a a pseudo professional for a little while. It was kind of cool. Um, but anyway, so check that out and we look forward to, uh, sitting down with Jake anyway. Um, otherwise I, uh, really don't have too much more. I did thoroughly enjoy that JFR Corojo. Uh, great cigar. It's got some good, um, it, it's got some spicy notes to it. It's got some, some earthy notes to it. It's got, um, uh, a really good, I think it's kind of a creamy cigar to a degree as well. Um, you know, it, it always smokes so smooth. Um, the, uh, the only thing that I always have to take note of is that it does have a, uh, uh, capped, you know, foot to it. Um, you know, it's got that, that wrapper leaf that kind of goes over the foot. So when I'm lighting it, I always got to make sure that I'm not going to burn holes in my shirt, but, uh, otherwise fantastic cigar. I really do enjoy, uh, the cigars from Agonorsa leaf and the, specifically, um, that JFR Corojo has just been, uh, lights out for me here lately. Um, the second cigar, I didn't mention it, but the uh, second cigar that I lit up while I was in the uh, interview with uh, Mr. Nolan um, is the Abuelo from United Cigars, uh, made by our friends at Jerry Tobacco. And again, fantastic cigar. I'm down to just a little bit of it, and it always smokes so wonderfully, and it's it's definitely one of my regular rotation cigars. So um, if you're... Uh, you know, wanting a little bit of cigar stuff here at the end. Otherwise, um, I believe that is all she wrote for today. Um, appreciate you guys, uh, indulging me. I know, um, you know, you might be coming to this looking for, um, more cigar knowledge and not necessarily, you know, comic book knowledge, but, um, that's the beauty of this is, uh, this 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 product this cigar it it brings people from all different worlds together and it gives us an opportunity to learn about you know different uh different industries different aspects of life that maybe we don't normally uh consider and normally get to know about and uh hopefully if you're a comic book guy you enjoyed today and if you're not a comic book guy well you know maybe consider it i mean it's not just all you know superheroes and men in tights there's uh some really good stuff being put out and um you just got to got to search it out so definitely if you're into uh into what uh Mr. Nolan was talking about give his uh give his website compass comics uh, dot com a look and consider uh, supporting him on Indiegogo and uh, you know 
giving giving his comics a try. They're really good. Anyway, guys, this has been another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. I'm Nick. Everybody stay safe and stay smoky. just took my ash and like burned the hell out of my uh, my wrist this wind is causing me issues later guys